but not also receive bad? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, Job had three friends, uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And they debated with Job. Using the logic, which was a common belief of the day, Job punishes only the wicked. Job is being punished, so therefore Job is wicked. But Job rebuts, but I haven't been wicked. Why am I being punished? Uh, why am I being punished? Later, his friend Eliu uh, adds to their logic by saying, or maybe God is trying to tell you something, trying to teach you something through your suffering. Um, God is beyond our understanding. Why should we make sense of what is happening to people? Why should we expect to understand his ways of working in human lives? Ilio um, suggests Job needs to be humbled himself before God and submit to God's work of purifying his life through trials. When, he, uh, when we don't understand God in his ways, we need to trust him. Now, starting in chapter 38, God steps in. Job's question is, why me? God answers with questions. Over 60 questions in all. But God asked Job to answer. Even today, we do not have the answers to many of these questions. All through the discussion of Job's three friends, Job continues to question God. God, Job says, let me speak to you. Let me ask you the question. So God says to Job, okay, but first let me ask you a few questions. Now remember these questions were asked over 4,000 years ago. I already stated that Job is believed to be the oldest book in the Bible. Science as we know it today wasn't available at the time. Now some of the questions that Job or God asked Job were, uh, who laid the foundation of the earth? Uh, how are the dimensions determined? Who did the surveying? Who supports its foundation? Who laid its uh, cornerstone? You know, questions about geology. How about these? Questions about oce or oceanography. Um, who, uh, who decreed the boundaries of the seas? Who clothed them with, dark, uh, with clouds and thick darkness? Who barred uh, them their limiting shores? Uh, have you commanded the morning to appear? Did you cause daylight to spread? Did you end the night with for the wicked? Have you robed the dawn in red? Have you disturbed the haunts of wicked men? Have you stopped the arm raised to strike? Have you explored the springs that come from the sea? Have you walked in the recesses of the deep? Do you know the location of the gates of death? Do you know the extent of the earth? Do you know where light comes from? Do you know how it got there? Do you know about darkness? Do you know how darkness or where darkness comes from? Can you find its source? Can you go to its source? Have you visited the treasuries of, of snow? Do you know where hail is made and stored? Where is the path uh, to the distribution of the point of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who dug gullies for the rain? Who laid out the path for lightning? Do you know if rain has a father? Where does dew come from? 
Who is the mother of ice and frost? Can you hold back the stars? Can you retrain Orion and Pleiades? Can you ensure the proper sequence of the seasons? Can you guide the constellation of the bear? Do you know the laws of the universe? How do the heavens influence the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear? Who gives intuition and instinct? Who is wise enough to number the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven? Can you stalk prey like a lion? Who provides for the raven? Do you know how mountain goats give birth? Do you know how many months of pregnancy? Who makes the wild donkey wild? Will the wild ox be your servant? Will he stay by your feeding crib? Can you use the wild ox to plow with? Will he pull the harrow for, for you? Will you let him decide where to work? Can you send him out to bring in the grain? Have you deprived the ostrich of wisdom? Did you make the ostrich swifter than the horse? Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with a mane? Have you made him able to leap like a locust? Do you know how the, a hawk soars? Is it in your command to raise eagles high? Now the main question is, in Job is, why, in a world over which God has jurisdiction, should innocent people have to suffer, suffer when at the same time the wicked escape suffering and are permitted to have comfort and security? Why do bad things happen to good people? In this ultimate question, um, if this ultimate question were answered, then we would be able to make peace with the suffering of the innocent. And that is unthinkable. Worse than innocent people's suffering is others watching their suffering unmoved. And that's exactly what would happen if we were to understand why innocent people suffer. We would no longer be bothered by their cry. We would no longer feel their pain because we would understand why it is happening. This seems a little odd on the surface, but I guess our response to this question should be to love God more. Out of that comes our response or answer, our deep concern for other people. God wants us to act, not that we tell God to act. God doesn't intentionally cause suffering, but he uses it to bring people closer to him. He gives us free will to choose that or not to. Now, Satan's challenge has become God's opportunity to build Job's faith and character. God doesn't give Job an answer or a reason why. Job accepts his position as a creature, one who God has created and bows down before the creator. Having seen the Lord, Job makes no claim to, to be righteous, but simply submits to the Lord. God tells Job to pray for his three friends who have not spoken rightly about God. Job's health is restored, his wealth is doubled, and his household is blessed with many more children. Now, I recall a scene in the movie Forrest Gump where Lieutenant Dan, who has had his legs blown off in Vietnam, is out on the shrimp boat, and he says, Where in the hell is this God of yours? He says, The forest. 
And then they're out on the boat, and a storm comes up, and here's Lieutenant Dan on the mast of the boat, and he's shaking his fist at God and says, Is this all you got? You call this a storm? He's blaming God for the storm, the life he has now, and the fact that he has no legs. Now, Lieutenant Dan's last scene in the movie is him saying, I never actually got to thank you for us for saving my life. Then he gets out of his wheelchair and hops up on the railing and dives into the ocean. And you can see him doing the back crawl, swimming into the distance. And then Forrest says, he never actually said so, but I think he made his peace with God. Now in the book, A More Beautiful Question by Warren Berger, he tells this story. When Jacqueline Novogratz, or Novogratz was about to graduate college in the early 1980s, the school job placement office informed her that the Chase Manhattan Bank was interested in interviewing her for a job. Novogratz had no particular desire to go into banking. She had planned to take a brief or post-college break to tend bar and to figure out how she was going to change the world. But she went to the interview and, to her surprise, was offered the job. She took it, in part because it promised an opportunity to travel around the world working in a group that reviewed the bank's loans in overseas markets. Novogratz liked the job well enough, but something bothered her. In developing countries where Chase was doing business, Novogratz encountered people with bright ideas and entrepreneurial dreams who didn't qualify for loans because they were not seen as creditworthy. Yet, it seemed to Novogratz that there were, um, these were the very people who, given a chance, might be able to build a sustainable local business these countries desperately needed. Hence, Novogratz's question, why weren't loans going to... Uh, to the entrepreneurs that could potentially solve some of these countries' most pressing needs and big, biggest problems. Chase would never take on such high-risk loans, but Novogratz began to look around to see what others outside the mainstream banking world were doing along these lines. She learned, for example, that Grameen Bank in Bangladesh, led by an economist named Mohammed Yunus, had had considerable success in providing microloans to poor women in that country, who, who it turned out were reliable in paying back what they borrowed. During her research, Novogratz also learned of a small microfinance group that had been started by several women in New York with the aim of providing loans to women entrepreneurs around the world. Novogratz approached the group, mostly out of curiosity, but also to see if there might be a place there for her. There was. She was offered a job. Now, Novogratz had to ask herself some tough, tough questions. Did she want to leave a secure, well-paid job, job in banking for a risky one in the nonprofit sector? What was most important to her at this, what was most important to her at this point in her life? and not least among her concerns, what would her family think if she walked away from a promising business career? That last question weighed heavily on Novogratz because 
She came from a hard-working family of modest means. Her family had been proud and excited when she landed her job at Chase Manhattan Bank. Uh, as she wrote years later in her autobiography, I tried to imagine myself telling my uncles that I was leaving a well-paying job on Wall Street to work for a nonprofit women's organization that would send me overseas. They would think I had lost my mind. Why would I give up my chance at making it? But she also had this feeling that if I listened hard to the deepest part of myself, there was a person in there who wanted to be adventurous. And I knew I did, if I didn't jump right then, I might never jump. She took the nonprofit job and soon was on her way to Africa, having answered the question about what she wanted to do with her life. She would spend the next decade working on the other question about finding a way to get loans to entrepreneurs. Novogratz did not have an easy time of it, especially in her early days in Africa. Reflecting on it, she admitted she was like a lot of young social activists who set out to help people in other parts of the world, naive and the complex, or naive about the complexity of the problem she was uh, confronting and sometimes oblivious of cultural nuances. But she told me her greatest asset in overcoming that was her inquisitive nature. She would, uh, when she found that she didn't understand something or that she had gotten it wrong, she asked a lot of why questions. Then eventually she had a big what-if moment. Novogratz knew of the growing interest in investing in, developing, in the developing world, as well as rising spirit of social entrepreneurship, which aimed to bring innovative approaches to global problems. She felt the best way to tap into both of these new phenomena, as well as traditional philanthropy, and to try a hybrid approach that combined venture capital investing with philanthropy. The idea was to create a venture fund that would be backed by entrepreneurs trying to start new businesses, create jobs, and to solve everyday problems in, develop, in the developing world. Early on, Novogratz thought of her idea in these terms. What if we could invest as a means and not to an end? The investors um, would have every right to expect a return, but also had to expect that those returns would be plowed back into the startup to keep them going and growing it with a patient capital, as Novogratz's term. There was no way of knowing whether it would pay off in the long run, but Novogratz uh, attracted enough interest in the concept to launch the nonprofit Acumen Fund in 2001. Novogratz's team then set out looking for a funding opportunities and found them in the form of people pursuing their own beautiful questions. Solar lighting brought light to 20 million people in developing countries. 275,000 irrigation drip systems to small farmers in dry regions of Africa. A 911 ambulance system in India. And an African maker of simple bed nets to protect uh, people from mosquitoes and malaria had produced 16 million nets and provided 7,000 jobs. You have to ask a lot of questions about what's feasible and what isn't, 
about what people actually want and need as opposed to what one might think they should want and need, Novogratz says. During a recent college commencement speech Novogratz uh, gave in Pennsylvania, she focused a good part of her talk on urging graduating students to embrace uncertainty and to follow their own spirit of inquisitiveness. Quoting the famous line from poet Rilke, she told the students to live the questions. It's been a hallmark of my life to run up against walls and realize there are no easy, clear answers. She said, and it took me, a time, me time to learn that the, that the best I could do was get smarter at asking better questions. Now, something Google does, it's called 20% time. And it's where employees are encouraged to work on individual uh, projects they are passionate about with 20% 20, 20 of their work week. Uh, it's developed some of the apps uh, that have been developed uh, has been Google Maps, Google Plus, Keep, Scholar, and even their, one of their latest, Google Cardboard, which is a virtual reality uh, program. Now, there's another co company, W.L. Gore Company, uses 10% time. Uh, water, it, they make waterproof coatings, uh, mainly in material, uh, gloves, boots, and medical equipment. But one of their employees developed a specially coated cable that was used in gear shifters in bikes. And now they lead the way in that technology. Another one of these independent projects was Elixir guitar strings. Now, guitar strings tend to break down as the oils from your fingers get in the grooves of the windings, causing the string to lose their brilliance. With this coating, strings now last twice as long and sometimes three times longer. They're also easier to play until you develop those calluses on your fingers. Something else Gore believes in is no hierarchy in his company. It has one of the flattest structures in business today, we see examples of NASA and the Challenger disaster where the chain of command and the bureaucracy of the organization, eight organizations stifle questioning. Toyota and the issue of their cars that spontaneously accelerate, calls were ignored from those on the assembly line that there was a problem. People at the bottom's questions never reached the top where the real decisions were being made. Bill Gores uh, observed that the only place that employees talk freely in his company were either in the carpool or the water cooler. Now, his company has no titles. There's not a single manager that works there. When people are hired, they often wonder, who is my boss? Eventually, they realize there is no boss. The company structure is built around something Gore calls the lattice. New hires are paired with a sponsor or a mentor. That mentor shares his credibility and lattice until the new person builds up their own lattice. This non-hierarchical and network structure helps the new hire with, with their mentor figure things out. It develops them to inquire from day one on how things work and how to get their ideas out there. Communicating fl flows freely. If you have feedback for someone, you give it to them directly. How do we transform workplace into learn place? 
and I can paraphrase that, how, do, how can we transform a church place into a learned place? Here's another one. What if we had created a TED-like experience? TED, TED Talks are those short video clips where people present ideas uh, out there. But what if we create a TED-like experience every day at work or at church? TED, found, TED founder Richard Saul Worman says, the best way to stimulate curiosity among any group is to expose them to as many original ideas and unusual viewpoints as possible. We are drowning in answers. What we need today are good questions. In times of great change, doubt is the norm. So good questions, not answers, have the edge. John Seeley Brown says, if you don't have a disposition to question, you're going to fear change. But if you're comfortable questioning, experimenting, connecting things, then change is something that's going to be becoming an adventure. And if you can see it as an adventure, then you're off and running. Where is God? So this happened, and it was a story that I, I saw from an author, and she actually got to speak to us at annual conference two years ago, but Diana Butler Bass. But it talks about a worship service that she went to see at Foundry United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C., now, the pastor called the little ones forward for the children's sermon. About a dozen preschoolers gathered on the chancel steps. The pastor asked, where is the candle? Do you see the candle? The children looked around. One sharp-eyed boy said, there it is. And the pastor replied, would you go get it? The boy retrieved the candle and handed it to her. Where is the white bowl, she, she then asked. And the same thing happened. Where are the silver and gold beads? Again, a child went to go retrieve them. Where is something that reminds you of Christmas? Again, something was brought to her. Finally, she asked, where is God? The children looked up, down, all around, a few, be a few bewildered stares, some shrugged their shoulders, then a small blonde boy in a plaid shirt, about three years old, said, I know. Pastor said, you do? The little boy looked excited, it's insisting, yes, yes. Then the pastor said, where? And the little boy said, I'll go get God. He jumped up from the uh, chancel stairs and ran down the center aisle. His father, obviously a bit worried about the open doors at the back of the sanctuary, leaped up out of his pew to fetch the boy. Before he got very far, however, the little boy had returned. He was holding the hand of a kind-looking woman in her 70s, literally pulling her down the aisle. Here, he cried, here's God, she's here. Pastor looked puzzled. Miss Jean? And the boy pointed, there she is, God, God. She was a Sunday school teacher. Now, Romans 1.20 says, Ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through the things God has made. 
so humans are without excuse. Today we have many, many, many complex problems. Racism, violence, terrorism, our economy, the environment, hunger, disease, and war. Andy Stanley says this, The answers are always easier and simpler the farther we are away from the problem. I could say that there are no simple answers, but as people of faith, we need to believe, follow, obey, tell the good news of a God who's loved us, that he sacrificed for us, that we may live into the answer of eternal life. God is the answer. Always the beautiful answer who asks the more beautiful question. Amen. I would like to invite Mark up and also the Winters up. At this time, um, John and Jan, um, I know when I first heard this, it, you know, it was sad and everything, but John can tell you I texted him and I said, North Carolina needs disciples too. And... Uh, so what we want to do, and I know tonight is kind of afterwards and everyone's um, invited to stay for us. We're going to have kind of a little get-together to kind of wish them well on their journeys to North Carolina. John actually got a job transfer to the East Coast, so uh, they'll be leaving us, but still in our presence, still in our thoughts. We will be in, or you'll be in our thoughts and prayers um, continue on. But we would like to give a blessing for them. And if anybody wants to come up and put hands on them or whatever to do this at this time. And if you can't make it up here, just reach out your hand. I know Sarah and Lauren are upstairs, and they're doing that also. Want to lead us, Mark? Let us pray. Lord, we know your call to be disciples, to follow you, to make disciples, and to send them out to continue that work. We know John and Jan and Megan and Marissa and, and their whole family are your followers, your devoted disciples. And they have blessed this ministry, they have blessed this community for many years, the entire life of New Life and before that, their home church at Roscoe and everywhere they've laid their feet in Crystal Lake and all over. We send them now east where there are people who need to hear good news, who people who need their gifts, their graces, their story. And the places where they put their feet, there will be you waiting. And there will be people waiting to hear your good news. We send them. Bless them. And we thank you for the gift of over 
not only land, but over sea and, and over Ethernet cables and, and telephone and, and everything that we have to be able to stay connected as we know we are connected in your spirit. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. That was probably me. This predates Mark, but you guys were here from the beginning, you know, when this was just a field. Um, and, you know, I've been so blessed to have you in my life. I remember a conversation the first time I met you. It was in front of Roski and I met this church. They were ripping out the sidewalk. And you said, do they do chrysalis here? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know what chrysalis was. But you kind of told me and got us involved and our kids and everything else. And we've kind of grown up, you know, our kids and your kids have grown up together. So, yeah, um, yes. Yeah. So, well, thank, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for everything. And I truly mean it. When you guys come anywhere near our area, you need to stop by and say, thank you. All of you at once. <laughs> 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 we'll make it all. That's right. We'll go. We'll go east instead of north until they, uh, to uh, Geno's next year. So, thank you, uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, share your uh, appreciation. Jeff uh, has just completed. Three weeks now consecutively preaching, and, and as I said that last week, that is a difficult task. Anyone here can preach a sermon. Uh, anyone here has a story to tell. Uh, three weeks in a row is a little bit different, though. So, uh, thank you, Jeff, uh, for that. Uh, let us respond, and I've got I, we've got a couple other things tonight, but uh, I, I want to keep the the crew upstairs. They they don't they don't they don't want to get upset with me if I skip stuff. So. Uh, uh, let us respond to Jeff's great message. Uh, and let me just say, man, in, in our world today, I don't hear a lot of people asking questions. Um, it's a big convention this week, and I didn't hear a lot of questions. Whatever side of the fence you fall on, those kind of things, I'm not hearing a lot of questions. But I'm hearing a lot of answers, and that kind of stuff scares me. For our world and for our nation. So let us be always considering that more beautiful question and let us respond to that with the prayer uh, as found on the screen, a prayer for new life written by, written by Lawrence Hall Stuckey, uh, a, a 
adjusted by myself. Lauren Falls Let us pray together. God of the ages, our rock and salvation, look with favor upon Christ's flock at New Life United Methodist Church. Cause our congregation to be an effective witness to your love and power. To this end, banish us from pettiness and rivalry, speaking ill of one another, seeking to serve ourselves rather than you. Guide the leaders of this congregation those disciples who claim part in the ministry of the church, we pray all people that we may help each other grow in your faith and grow as a community, one body guided by your will. Bind us together by your love. Cause us to know ourselves to be a people called out of darkness into your marvelous light. We ask this of the Father through Christ, the head of the church, and through the Holy Spirit, that we, we may be of one heart, mind, and soul. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Before we do prayers of the people, uh, I, I'd like uh, the Elkhorn family to come up. And uh, uh, is Matthew here? Hiding somewhere? Uh, and Andy Jackson, could one of you guys get Matthew for me? Um, I, well... I, yeah, no, yeah, you guys can come forward. Um, they're not leaving. <laughs> uh, so that's good news. Uh, we're thankful that uh, Mark and uh, Nicole um, and uh, Matthew's going to come in here. Matthew was part of our confirmation class this year. We celebrated uh, with Andy and Lauren uh, on their confirmation a few weeks ago. Uh, Matthew was also involved in that group. Uh, Mark and Nicole are members of Rockton United Methodist Church up north, uh, way up, way up north, right, up the road. Um, I, I actually have to drive past Rockton United Methodist Church to get here, ironically, right? So um, as, as that works, and of course their pastor is a good friend of mine, Pastor Megan, uh, as, as have many of their pastors been in the past. Um, so uh, we did a joint confirmation class uh, this, this last year, Megan and I, and we've done this in the past with New Life to make sure that our kids are involved with other kids. Uh, and also have a good experience. So uh, Rockton United Methodist Church and New Life United Methodist Church, we combined uh, our time together. And so Matthew, uh, who's, who's coming here, uh, Matthew will be confirmed at Rockton United Methodist Church. He will have to stand up in front of that congregation, uh, as uh, Lauren and Andy did here, and uh, answer the historic questions and uh, answer the, um, uh, you know, share, share the Apostles' Creed uh, and respond to the, the questions that we ask, uh, not only our confirmants, but all new members, all people we baptize who are not only children, but uh, adults. And um, so I'm not going to ask you them twice. That seems uh, kind, kind of um, um, silly. But I will say, if you don't know, Matthew is exceptionally versed when it comes to the Bible and when it comes to faith. Uh, and, and certainly uh, gets that from his parents, I'm sure, uh, and the teaching that they do and, and the teaching that uh, he's been part of in his churches uh, growing up. So uh, a wonderful, a wonderful young man. And so I hope um, you, if you don't know him, you get a chance to know him. So um, I'm not going to ask you anything today, Matthew, but uh, you, I want you to know um, that you are part of our church, uh, even though you are uh, going to be a member of Rockton, you are part of the New Life family. And so, and, and I worked with Pastor Megan, so I'm, we're not giving you like, extra gifts, uh, right? So um, 
uh, so we worked out. I know what I know what Rockton is getting you, uh, and so I, I actually got you the same gifts that we were able to get for Andy and Lauren. Uh, so you all have the same thing. Uh, so we we got you a uh, this is well Lauren got the girl devotional, uh, but this is the God's Guide devotional. It's a 365 day devotional uh, for young people and youth. Uh, and a teen NIV Bible, and I think that's your name, Matthew Elkhorn, on it. So, um, and, and I hope you uh, use that. I know you have lots of Bibles, but um, I have about 40 or 50 in my office, and I keep using different ones. So um, thank you, and, and please just, uh, you know, all the kids did a lot of work. Matthew's done a lot of work uh, and really helped, you know, as somebody who had some good knowledge coming into confirmation and, and was willing to answer questions, even with some Skittles as bribes. Um, so... Um, just th- thank you and greet Matthew and uh, thank you all, all of you guys. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. Uh, and uh, celebrate with them and of course Andy and Lauren, our confirmants this year. Just a wonderful, uh, a wonderful time and a wonderful uh, celebration as our young people are answering for themselves and, and growing up um, in our church. So uh, let us now gather for prayer as we do. Uh, We'll get petitions, and uh, hopefully I'm still recovering emotionally, um, so we're going to have to be careful here um, and I'll work myself down as we do this uh, back from back from where we have been here. So let us pray. After each petition, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, you will respond, and I will offer a time at the end for any individual prayers that need to be lifted up, names, and so on. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for this celebration. We thank You for Jeff's encouragement to ask more beautiful questions and the stories and the wisdom that came through both Your Word and the experiences of Your people. We thank You for this beautiful day. Yes, it's hot and humid, but we are thankful for heat and humidity. We are thankful for the sunshine and the rain. We are thankful for ionizing thunderstorms and all of these things that grow and bring us life, even sometimes scare us and turn us back towards You. We thank You for John and Jan, Megan and Marissa, and the ministry they have had and will continue to have. We thank You for Matthew and the work all of our confirmands have done and their dedication, and their now commitment to You and Your church. Help us continue to be Your church as we've just prayed. Lord, we pray for the people of new life. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, we pray for the concerns of our community. Lord, in Your mercy. We pray for the world, its people, and all of its leaders. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, we pray for the church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, we pray for the communion of saints. And we ask now that any prayers, any names that need to be lifted up do so at this time. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, in Your mercy. 
Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, in Your mercy. Lord, we lift up these names and the names that are on our hearts and the names of people we don't know but You are placing in our lives. Be with them. Have Your mercy and grace shine upon them and allow us, Your body, the church, Your hands and Your feet. Embrace them. Challenge them. And love them. We pray this in Your holy name. Amen. Have some sign-up sheets to pass around for our big events here. Uh, yeah, if Jeff, if you want to do that, that'd be great. Um, I believe there are two sign-up sheets for the August 13th event. One maybe for some setup stuff, one for some other activities. That's going to be a lot of fun. August 13th, we're going to be here at 3.30. We're going to have some music. We're going to be eating some good food. We're going to be having bouncy houses and games and activities for the kids. We're going to be having worship outdoors at 5.30 on that night. Invite family, friends, faces in the crowd. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So put that on your calendar. Before that, we have movies first and third Friday. So our next park movie in the park is August 5th. Inside Out. Wow, excellent movie. Uh, if you haven't seen Inside Out, one of the best in a long time from a company that has a lot of good ones. So um, Inside Out was excellent. Uh, come enjoy that. Bring the family. Talk about that. Yeah, some interesting stuff going on there. Um, this Wednesday is the Rivets game. I've already bought tickets for that, so you're welcome to come. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be seats. Uh, but I already block, bought our block of tickets, so uh, if you need to pay me for those, they're $10 each, you can see me. If you still want to go, I ha I, I've ordered tickets already, but um, you know you could go to the park with us and just come sit by us. I'm pretty sure that's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> just get a ticket at the gate, they're $10 each. That's Wednesday at 6.30. We will be starting by executive order. Uh, um, but we will be starting a uh, semi-ongoing event here in the next couple weeks uh, around the new Pokemon Go craze since this building is a Pokestop. I know some of you I'm speaking Chinese. Uh, that's okay. But uh, there is quite a bit of interest in this, and uh, I've found some ways to capitalize on that interest. And so we are going to, because apparently no one else in our world is. And so... Uh, after fighting with it for several weeks now or a couple weeks now thinking that, oh, we shouldn't do anything, it's kind of silly, and, and maybe sending out some feelers to see, hey, you know, why don't some of these bigger churches do something? Guess what? No one's doing anything. So it falls, uh, again, upon us uh, who have the gifts and graces and even some people who are now invested in this um, online or or this mobile game so uh we'll just be having some events some gathering community building before church i think here in the next couple of weeks early august i think the first week of august will be the first uh trainer meetup that we'll have uh, and we'll have it here and we'll have some fun and some prizes and refreshments so i will need some help uh when i have specific date and time uh i will let you know but it will be soon uh just 
you know, you don't have to know anything about Pokemon or anything else. Uh, you just need to be here. We'll need some help for, you know, refreshments and, um, you know, sign-ups and that kind of stuff for door prizes. And uh, just help with that potential way. There's people driving by this building, people walking around this building all of the time who never have before. Earlier today, Selena and Anthony and I went to the, um, I always forget what it's called, the Kigi or the Peace Plaza in Rockford on Perryville Road. The memorial, the Peace Memorial with all the flags. If you've never been there, it's beautiful, gorgeous uh, little park. I'm pretty sure that's had more visits than uh, it has in the last three weeks than it has in the last 30 years. Uh, so because of Pokemon Go, and certainly as I've been talking to my clergy friends, oh, there's all these people walking around our churches. What should we do? What should we do? So we know, what should we do? Welcome them in. Build a community around their interest. Engage them in outreach to our community, i.e. the Paper Angel Closet, uh, and hopefully turn something good into something great. That is what we are called to do. So we're going to be doing that, silly or not. Why not? Uh, and take advantage of that. So we have a lot of stuff going on. We've had a wonderful summer already. Tomorrow... Uh, we are doing our outdoor worship service at the Sugar River Forest Preserve at Sherland. Unless it's raining, then we'll be at the Sherland Church. Um, uh, but we're going to have some fun music, some gospel music. We're going to be, uh, I'll actually be preaching the sermon I'm preaching next week at Ottawa there. Tomorrow, if you want to hear that, or if you want to come to Ottawa next week. Uh, because, But I encourage you to be here because Pastor Terry Stewart from First United Methodist Church is here as we're doing the pulpit exchange, and we're going to have pizza at New Life after that. Um, we also should be taking the offering during this time after I've been speaking for like 20 minutes. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, I forget to say that. Um, I just kind of figure when I'm talking for 20 minutes, uh, you know, maybe somebody will get up. But no, uh, let me be particular about that. Let's collect the offering for the ministry of our church as I continue to talk for a few more minutes. And I apologize, we just got a lot going on and we need to be able to celebrate that. So, um, all of that going on. And again, I encourage you tonight, uh, all of the food has been donated and brought in. So this is not a potluck. This is uh, everything's been set out. Stay, eat, celebrate. I thought we were just having ice cream, but we're having a whole bunch of more stuff. We're having food and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be great. And we're going to have a lot of fun, spend time, say, um, you know, uh, just share those memories and those celebrations with the Winter family here. And uh, we celebrate their ministry and time with us. All right, so as we're collecting our offering, let us move to our act of confession. And I believe there was also one of those sign-up sheets is for help with cleanup after Taste of New Life uh, or uh, Pizza at New Life events. Uh, sometimes we're real good at, you know, setting up uh, and less good at tearing down. Uh, so make sure that if you can stay, uh, do that. So uh, go to the act of confession, uh, this uh, adapted by Nancy C. Townley. Let us pray. Merciful Lord, we know that You want the best for us. It must really disappoint You when we fail to be the kind of devoted followers that You need. You know of the needs of this world and the, cap <laughs> the capability that we have meeting those needs and bringing words of hope and healing through actions of compassion and justice. Yet we are hesitant in our commitment to You and to ministries of peace. We want good things to happen. We just aren't sure that we are up 
to the tasks you set before us. Forgive us when we so easily doubt your call, your presence, and your abiding love. Lift us up from lives of self-pity and self-centeredness and bring us to you with hearts filled with joy, praising you for opportunities to witness your love in our service to your people. Heal us and restore us, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We come to the table remembering that we are all called to and sent forth. That is how our worship is organized. You are called together to gather, but only so that you may be sent forth for the work that is to come. So as we come to the table, we are all invited. The United Methodist Church, regardless of your creed, regardless of your denomination or affiliation, Regardless of where you've been or who you are, this is Christ's table. You are welcome at it. We don't have to have all the answers. The only thing we encourage is that if you come to the table, you are willing to ask questions. We remember on the night Jesus was betrayed, He took bread like this. Giving thanks to God and giving it to His disciples, He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God and giving it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you meet in remembrance of me. So, Lord, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts of Jesus Christ, we now offer ourselves holy, living sacrifices in union with Christ's offering for us on the cross. Lord, we ask that You pour out Your Holy Spirit on all those gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Truly make them be for us Your body that we may be Your body the church bound together, redeemed by Your blood. Make us as You are until You come again. Amen. Ask the servers to come forward. Remind you, let the band come first. Receive a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. Again, we use grape juice and gluten-free bread to affirm that inclusive nature of Christ's holy table. This is the body of Christ broken. So you may be Christ's body of the church. This is the blood of Christ shed that you may be forgiven and have new life today and all days. The table is set. Come and eat.